Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you can get podcasts. Jamie's Log, Progressive, The Harrington's Backyard, Day 27, 3.33 a.m. 3.33, all those threes mean something, or I may be losing it. Been camped in the Harrington's Backyard for 27 days now, proving the Progressive has 24-7 protection. They told me every day they understand what 24-7 protection means. Think I'm finally getting through to them. 3.33. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I am your host today, Thomas Carinante. Uh, Adam Weinrib is still out uh, enjoying his time right now on the West Coast. He will be back with us on Wednesday. Um, but before we get into things today, before you either tune out because you know it's just me and you don't want to hear me today, uh, be sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a review. It doesn't have to be five stars. Make it four. And a mailbag question. We want to hear what you have to say. We want to keep the discourse going. We want to know what the fans are up to, what the fans are thinking. we got a long off season ahead, plenty of things to talk about. Uh, so please go ahead and be sure to do that. Um, and we got a few things to talk about today. we got a few things up on the YanksYard.com website and the YanksYard Twitter account at YanksYardFS um, that need to be addressed. We got some funny things happening. We got uh, Bob Clappish, uh, an MLB Yankees insider who works for NJ.com, um, reported on a spat between Garrett Cole and Brett Gardner at some point during the season. He had a, something to say about Joey Gallo's bizarre wardrobe habits before games. Um, then we got an update on Corey Seager and what it might take to sign him. We got some guys in arbitration who potentially may deserve some contract extensions. Lots to talk about. Um, where do we start, though? Well, let's start with the bad news, because we knew this was a problem. We knew there was a problem with this team going into this year. 
the the everything was kind of present in a sense in 2020 based on what was happening. Uh, we talked a lot about this culture um, and how it kind of eroded uh, the Yankees team. Um, there was kind of no there was no definitive leadership. There was no outspoken individuals kind of pushing this team ahead. Uh, Luke Voigt was really the only that's why Luke Voigt's a fan favorite guys he's the only one who kind of does fun things he celebrates like a madman in the dugout he's got some cool post-game comments and pre-game comments when talking to the media no other Yankees player really does Aaron Judge not really entire entirely fun to listen to in these post-game interviews Garrett Cole absolutely not Giancarlo Stanton do like when he talks but um, he's not of those demonstrative personalities um he, he, he's certainly more of a breath of fresh air than all the other guys mentioned. We also got DJ LeMahieu doesn't really offer much. Corey Kluber they didn't really offer much. Uh, same could go for Gary Sanchez, Glaber Torres, y- you name it. Um, but uh, when the sticky stuff ban happened uh, in mid-June, MLB decided that anybody who was caught with any for any pitcher who was caught with any foreign substance would face suspension. Um, and then obviously the penalties would escalate if you're a repeat offender. Um, everything came crashing down for just about everybody. It, it was it, you look at the Dodgers. Uh, we can go back and look at their spin rates. We can go look at their their overall success. Um, they 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 were certainly fine, but you saw the numbers in the spin rates decrease. Um, you saw the usage of certain pitches decrease because they weren't nearly as effective without um, the foreign substances. Uh, and Garrett Cole somehow, somehow ended up being the poster child for this. I, I really don't know why. Um, and uh, he drew a lot of criticism from opposing fans, particularly for his usage of sticky stuff um, and dating back to his Astros days when initially those reports broke a couple of years ago about them doctoring baseballs. Uh, Trevor Bauer. um don't really want to talk about him, but he was among the first people to kind of point out what the Astros were doing um, and increasing their spin rate. And then he went ahead and did it because he's a cheater and probably not a good person. Uh, but anyway, Cole somehow becomes the poster boy for sticky stuff. OK, cool. Like, yeah, Garrett Cole was largely a pedestrian pitcher before arriving in Houston. Then he became all world. Uh, was absolutely dominant and unhittable. Then he arrives in the Bronx. He's okay. He's shouldering the load in the rotation, something he's never really done in his career. I mean, I know he did that in Pittsburgh technically, but how how much are you really doing that in Pittsburgh? Um, <clears throat> and the sticky stuff for everybody, like I said, affected everyone's performance. If you're a pitcher, sticky stuff has been, whether it was sunscreen and rosin or whether it was a little bit of pine tar, um, whatever it may have been, pitchers have always used something to, I, I think, I think that spin rate didn't come into serious consideration among pitchers because the, the, the data was, uh, weren't available. Um, it was ma- mainly used for control. And we, we saw reports prior to the ban happening that hitters actually, did support pitchers using some kind of substance to improve their control because they didn't want to get clocked in the head with a 99 mile an hour fastball. And that's understandable. Uh, Pitching, not an easy thing to do. 
Um, arm fatigue, very much a thing in MLB. Um, younger pitchers honing in their control early on in their careers and also being able to throw triple digits. Uh, you see some issues there with with um, erratic performances and hitters getting you know blown out of the batter's box by I- inaccuracy. Um, so uh, I think we'd all sit here and agree that baseball probably didn't make the right decision by just axing this altogether. There needed to be some sort of consensus. There needed to be some sort of discussion with people who play the game, but I don't think Rob Manfred understands that. Nonetheless, uh, Brett Gardner, who's a famous jokester in the Yankees locker room. He's the longest tenured player on this team. The last remaining player since the 2009 world series. Um, I mentioned in the article that we wrote last night, Ask Tyler Wade and Clint Frazier about Brett Gardner. You know, uh, we have the story about uh, Gardy stealing Clint Frazier's turtleneck. We have the story about Gardy dumping out all of Tyler Wade's hot sauce on his clubhouse chair. Uh, like the behavior or not, it's, you know, a form of veteran hazing, I, I guess you want to say. Um, and uh, maybe it's part of yesteryear. I don't know. I still think that maybe that there is that that silly dynamic between um, older players and younger guys. Uh, but apparently it was not for Garrett Cole, really not for Garrett Cole. Uh, according to Bob Clappish, Gardner, Gardner, um, when the sticky stuff ban came into effect, joked around by parade, quote, parading throughout the clubhouse with pine tar in the bill of his cap, trying to get a laugh out of Cole. Cole didn't find it funny at all and actually kind of lost it on Gardner in front of the entire locker room and demanded that he, quote, knock it off. Um, don't know how awkward it is. That's really the extent of the situation that we had, uh, the details of the situation that we had here. Uh, Cole was then reportedly said to have apologized to him the next day. Uh, okay, great. Um, but you know what guys, we can, perhaps we could chalk this up to a greater locker room issue. We know that there's something wrong in the locker room, but at this point in the season, when the ban happened, Yankees were 34 and 32. Not good. Not a good team. Not what they were supposed to be doing. Um, I, I suspect that the locker room problems were uh, were already in full effect, and this kind of just made it a little bit worse. Um, and then you have from the same article um, a report about Joey Gallo uh, putting on his uniform in a very bizarre manner. Uh, apparently, he would lay out every article of clothing in front of his locker before putting on his uniform, then he would put it on. And if it didn't fit right, he would take it all off and start over again. Um, okay. Weird. If true, do we know it's true? No, we don't. No one's really in the clubhouse. Uh, that's, that's kind of been the down, the very big downside with COVID affecting media access. There's nobody in the clubhouse to kind of tell you what the vibes are, to tell you what the energy is, to tell you who's doing what, who's, who's emerging as a leader, who's helping consult teammates, who's giving advice, this and that. Um, do I care what Joey Gallo does as his wardrobe ritual before games? No. Um, do I think that that affected his play? I I don't care. Uh, do I think that this speaks to a greater problem with what the Yankees do? Yeah. I I think that if, if Joey Gallo's wardrobe ritual ritual was the biggest worry on this team, then that would be great, but it's just not there's, there's other character concerns, like all the stuff I listed before, um, Joey Callow was simply just the worst version of himself in an elevated role. His uh, playing in Texas. Great, man. There's no stakes there. 
team has not been good in a very long time. You're the lone player there. You're it's, it's a, that that's the show that you're putting on. You're, you're a boomer bus player. He's a low contact hitter, high strikeout hitter, high walk hitter, home run hitter. And most of his hits are home runs. So is it, but I think there are a lot of other problems with this. Why did the Yankees think that this was a fit simply because he was a lefty? Why did the Yankees think it was a good idea playing Joey Gallo in the least familiar defensive position in left field? I don't know. Why, how did Marcus Timms not be able to fix Joey Gallo? Joey Gallo was missing center cut fastballs for most of the year and led the league, led the American league in bunt singles. If you're the most prolific hitter, arguably top five, most prolific hitter in the league, you should not be, we should not be executing bunt singles as often as Joey Gallo did. Uh, Do I think it's creative to do in certain situations? Yes. Leading league in that category. I I don't agree with it. Um, However, with that being said, I don't think that the Yankees need to do personality background checks to determine if someone's weird with putting on their uniform. Um, uh, baseball goes much deeper than that. Baseball is definitely a mental game. Um, and the Yankees famously do not put players in a position to succeed. Uh, Aaron Boone kind of never really moved Joey Gallo down in the lineup far enough for uh, any, uh, I guess, the fans liking based on the way that he was performing. Um, Joey Gallo did not deserve to be padding, whether it was second, whether it was fourth, whether it was sixth, he probably needed to be put down in the bottom of the lineup to, 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 to get back on track. And he was never really able to get back on track. His season was very bad with the Yankees. Um, he ended up OPSing, uh, OPSing 707, 93 OPS plus, which is seven, seven points below average. He had 13 home runs and 22 RBI in 58 games. He struck out 88 times in 228 uh, plate appearance, which is good for a 39 or 40% strikeout rate. He batted 160. Like, if you can't, like, cool. He he was weird with putting on his uniform. Not the issue. The issue here is the Yankees not knowing who fits their, their personnel and how to kind of supplement the roster and not putting players in a better position to succeed. I, I think that that sums it up. Um, so yeah, cool stuff, whatever I, I do. I don't ca- I don't care about this. Why? Because it's, it's also not like, once again, it's not, the media is not in there. The media is not giving me the, the lowdown, the, the, the firsthand uh, account of what's actually happening. This is just clappish getting a relay from, I guess, somebody who works for the Yankees and may have saw this a couple of times and then, deem that to be weird. Uh, do I think the Yankees probably need to do some more personality background checks before bringing guys in? Yeah, I do. Do I think they, Joey Gallo is one of those people who needed to have a personality background check? Probably not. Not worried about the way he puts on his clothes, more worried about if you're being a, if you're being signed to a $324 million contract in Garrett Cole, largest contract in MLB, uh, for a pitcher, are you a vocal leader? Are you going to help the younger guys uh, on the pitching staff beneath you? Are you going to be able to deliver that epic performance in a do or die uh, playoff game or game 163 or whatever it is? That That's more what I'm concerned about. If you're giving Aaron Judge a $200 million extension, are you sure that this is the guy that's going to be able to uh, motivate the team when they need a vocal leader at some point? Because, you know, pitchers obviously can uh, have have a great amount of influence, especially if you're an ace, but it's the guys who are on the field every day that really bring that value. Can Aaron Judge 
dig this team, help this team dig themselves out of a grave. Uh, we did see a portion of it this year when they went on that run in uh, late July and um, through, throughout the month of August. Um, but the, those are the questions. I'm not saying Aaron Judge is not capable of that. I'm just saying those are more so the questions that need to be addressed, not, oh, we're acquiring a supplemental player who's also good and can help diversify the lineup. Let's see if he's a weirdo or not. Um, yeah, Yankees, Yankees Twitter is just, yeah, it's getting weird. It's getting exhausting. Um, and uh, don't know where it goes from here. We're going to have a lot of offseason speculation ongoing about various topics how they're going to use their money, which arbitration eligible players are going to get extended, which are going to get traded, which are going to get non-tendered, which are just simply going to get the one-year offer. We don't know. Um, And then you got to talk about free agency. Cashman talks about last week that this team is going to be getting a shortstop. Uh, All but officially said that Gleyber Torres is the starting second baseman next year. He said that Gleyber Torres is better fit for second base. That's, quote, where he'll remain. Um, so that makes us believe Claver Torres will not be traded this offseason. Then again, things can change. You never really know. Um, but we did see Glaber Torres' bat turn around when he went back to second. He hit like 300 with an 820-something OPS uh, versus like uh, 260 and a 670 OPS at shortstop. Um, I understand that sample size at second base was very small. It was only like 20 games or something. Uh, but we also had very large sample sizes of Glaber Torres absolutely dominating at the plate when he's playing second base. So I think it, I think it does hold some weight there. Um, but anyway, you want to talk about bringing in a shortstop, uh, whether or not you like him, Jim Bowden came out with a piece about Dodgers free Dodger season ended, by the way. I don't know if you guys saw that. Hope you watched the playoffs. It's been relatively good. Red Sox got eliminated too, folks. What a time that was. We don't have to talk about them anymore. They are in the same position as us on the couch. Um, a great overachieving season from them. Um, really hoping that they just do the same thing they do this offseason and opt to not spend and supplement their very good core and instead make smaller acquisitions at the margins and think they're saving a few bucks here and there and think they're the new version of Moneyball um, so they can just trip and fall on their face next year. That's all I'm going to say about the Red Sox. They are out. It is the Houston Astros versus the Atlanta Braves in the World Series and a big topic of conversation right now is surrounding the Dodgers. Why the Dodgers have the largest payroll in the sport. They just disappointed against the team. Dodgers fans will come here and say, oh, well, we lost Bauer. We lost Dustin May. We lost Kershaw. We lost Muncie. We lost Justin Turner. And then the Braves will come back and say, okay, great. We lost similar to Bauer, Marcelo Zuna to a very troubling off the field incident. Eh, count that if you want. Those guys probably don't deserve to be in the sport. So that's a wash. Then you have Mike Soroka who tore his Achilles in the beginning of the year, and that's the Braves' ace. So they lost their best pitcher. And then you want to talk about the best player? The Braves lost Ronald Acuna Jr. So you want to you want to say that the Braves were disadvantaged in this series? They sure were. I mean, you want to say the Dodgers were disadvantaged in this series? Yeah, they were, but guess what? They had enough talent around on the roster. Dave Roberts probably shouldn't have been carrying Steven Souza Jr. to be... Uh, coming in for a, a season saving at bat in that seventh inning in game six. Um, but now the Dodgers are faced with even more questions because Corey Seager will be a free agent. And that's a guy on the Yankees radar, Max Scherzer, Kenley Jansen, Clayton Kershaw, Chris Tate, uh, Chris Taylor, Corey Kniebel. 
Um, Joe Kelly has a club option. Albert Pujols is sitting free agency. So that's a lot of guys. And then you have the question of what are you going to do with Cody Bellinger, who's in arbitration? Do you want to sign him to an extension? Do you want to see what he could? He erased his bad regular season with an incredible postseason. Cody Bellinger was the second best player on this uh, team during the postseason behind Taylor was absolutely incredible, who Yankee fans really want on their team because of his defensive versatility um, and clutch bat. Um, But a bigger question here is shortstop, because that's going to be the talk once free agency hits. The Yankees need one. They have their infield is completely taken care of without that position. And they're going to need someone who can really, really elevate this team in a number of ways, not just by playing good defense, not just by providing a lefty bat, not just by hitting a little bit more home runs. And the, the position has been giving us the last few years, but it's got to be a leadership type thing. It's got to be a vocal type thing. It has to be all around good defense and offense. Everything needs to hit. Everything needs to hit home here for it to be worthwhile for the Yankees. Um, Corey Seager has been speculated. John Heyman mentioned that Corey Seager is probably the top target for the Yankees. Again, we don't know. We'll go off these reports. We'll try to connect the dots. We'll figure out what's best um, for us. For Yanks go yard. You want to hear our opinion. Our opinion is Carlos Correa. Youngest guy on the market. Talked about wanted to be in pinstripes previously. Gets clutch hits all the time. Tremendous glove. Tremendous vocal leader. Lives for the moments and the trash talking and all of that. The Astros are back in the World Series. He's been a team leader for them for the last five years. They made it to five straight ALCSs. They made it to three World Series over that time. That's the guy that I want. Do I like him? No, I kind of don't like him. I'll be honest with you. But at this point, it's not about who you like and who you want to have fun with. It's about winning a World Series and the Yankees haven't. The Yankees have done that once in the past 21 years. So, And the Yankees make a living out of signing former rivals. Uh, so I don't really want to hear it. Oh, Cray cheated in 2017. Oh, my God. Yeah, great. Uh, I don't care anymore. That was now four years ago. That Yankees team was overachieving beyond belief. That Houston Astros team was better than the New York Yankees. I know that's tough to hear, but they they simply were. So cheating or not, I don't know. I, I, I that yeah that it was upsetting that the Yankees lost that in seven games, but they also didn't get a hit off Justin Verlander, and that's what you have to do in in those games. Um, but anyway, about back to Seager, back on topic. Uh, Bowden reported that he thinks it's going to take close to a ten or twelve year deal deal. For the Dodgers to keep Seager. So what does that mean? That means that someone in free agency, well, do you think he's going to leave the Dodgers if they don't give him a 10 year, 10 or 12 year deal and go somewhere else for a six to eight year deal? I don't think so. I think the benchmark, if this is what the report is, if this is true, again, we don't know if it's true, merely a report. Um, if the benchmark is a 10 to 12 year deal, I think that that means other teams, that's what other teams are going to have to offer. And now the question you have to ask yourself is, is Corey Seager worth a 10 to 12 year deal? His agent is Scott Boris. You know, he's not giving you a discount. You know, it's not going to be cheap. Um, and the problem with Seager is that he can't stay on the field. And I'm not, I'm not here taking a shot at his postseason performances because he won the NLCS MVP last year. He won the 2020 M- uh, world series MVP last year, but this on this, this uh, this postseason was pretty alarming. And if you really look back on all of his postseason performances, he hasn't particularly been good outside of 
2020. Um, he's still, even with that monstrous 2020 where he, he hit 400 in the World Series, he hit 310 with a 1.230 OPS in the NLCS. He hit 364 with a 1.012 OPS in the NLDS against the Padres. Um, he's still overall hitting 236 and 777 and OPSing 777 across 61 career playoff games. Not great. And then you want to talk about his defense. Yankees fans have been up in arms about the poor defense that this position has seen. Um, since Didi Gregorius Tommy John surgery, he came back and he wasn't the same and then transitioning Glaber over there. So it's been largely three years of like, okay, we've had enough of this. Now, do you trust Corey Seager? I don't know. Are you going to sign him to maybe eventually transition him to third base in hopes of, uh, you know, Anthony Volpe or Oswald Peraza um, coming up and taking over the shortstop position? I don't know. Is that a gamble you want to take? Is Corey Seager going to be a good third baseman too? I, I'm really not sure. I, I, I don't know if I could diagnose it for you. Corey Seager for his career, minus five defensive runs saved the shortstop. He had one positive year in that regard, and that was back in 2017 uh, when he was good for seven defensive runs saved. Um, and then in this postseason, you look back at game two, man. You look back at game two and you look back at at, uh, at game four and even game three, he made some not great plays. He had a bad jump on a line drive that it was not an easy play, but probably should have been caught. He couldn't hit the catcher in stride on a relay from the outfield that could have gotten the runner uh, out at the plate in game two. Um, he uh, hot shot hit to him again, not an easy play. There's not easy plays, but guess what? You need your you need your best defensive player who should be the shortstop kind of making a, a couple of these plays. You got to make two out of those three plays if you're considered a really good defensive player. Uh, and the hot shot in game two got under Seager's glove, goes into the outfield. Braves walk it off. Momentum to Atlanta. Um, they take a 2-0 series lead on that. Then they go back home. Seager lets a liner hit off his glove and leak into center field, uh, leak into left field. That that allows a run to score. Um, yeah, just concerning stuff. Um, am I chalking this up to what Corey Seager is capable of? No, but what is baseball? Baseball is a, what have you done for me lately sport? You look at the trade deadline every single year. I know we talk about this often, but I got to remind you, you could have a five, six ERA as a reliever in 2020 or, or in a full season. Say it was, you know, say we're talking, talking 2020 was a full season, five, six ERA as a reliever. You start 2021 off hot and you have a 2.10 ERA going into the trade deadline, your trade value just skyrocketed. Skyrocketed. You will you could fetch your team a top 5 prospect with the, with with the trade value on on yourself at that point. So why is that not going to be the same in free agency? You just like I just said, I just gave you Seager's numbers. He batted 167 in the NLCS. He virtually did nothing outside of those two home runs he hit in game 2 and game 3. Hey, home runs are good. The Dodgers didn't do enough to capitalize on those home runs. I'll be the first one to say that, but uh, you kind of need your number two hitter and uh, and uh, star player to, to do a little bit more than that. 238 with a 606 OPS in the NLDS. Like, not really, really just not not the stuff that you want. And guess what? He wasn't alone, so I'm not, I'm not singling out Corey Seager here. Mookie Betts was bad. Trey Turner was 
otherworldly horrible. They all three of them combined to about 194 in the series. But if you're talking about giving Corey Seager a Mookie Betts-esque length of a contract in the 10 to 12 year range, if we're talking a Bryce Harper-esque contract, if we're talking about a Fernando Tatis Jr.-esque contract, I just don't know if Corey Seager's that guy, man. I really don't. And that's not, I'm once again, not criticizing him as a player. Career, career average, 297, 870 OPS. That's totally good. But guess what? Hasn't entirely stayed on the field throughout his entire career. He played in 157, since his first full season, he won rookie of the year back in 2016, played 157 games. Great. Next season, 145 games. Great. Two-time All-Star in those years. Awesome. Then 2018 injures his elbow, plays 26 games. That leaks into the next season because he needs to recover, plays in only 134 games. So he misses, what, 28 games that year. You have the short in 2020. He played in 52. And then you have this year where he was hampered by injuries again, 95 games. So he missed missed a lot of time. It's a lot of time to miss. He plays He's played in 636 games since debuting in 2015. That's really not that much. So... If you're giving somebody a 10 to 12 year contract, the best availability here is just simply being on the field. Um, that that that's that's the first order of business. Hey, are you able to play 145 plus games a year? Okay, great. Step one, check. Now, now, what are your defensive skills and how do they round out with our roster? What are your offensive skills? How do they diversify our lineup? Yeah, we could start talking about that too. But if we're if we're here and we're trying to figure out what fits best with the Yankees and what they need, like we said, we need an emotional leader. Corey Seager, really, really not that guy. Very, very reserved. And hey, that's his style of play, dude. That's what works for him. Great. That's what works for him. That's what he needs to do. What he what 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 makes him comfortable and what helps him succeed is most important for him. It doesn't matter what's what's important for a team. That shouldn't be on his mind. He should be out going out there, doing what he does best, being himself, and that's going to bring the best results for him. But that's not what the Yankees need. The Yankees need a vocal leader. They need somebody who's going to bring the energy. They, they need someone who's going, going to be uh, living for the clutch moments, making the big defensive plays when you, you need to be bailed out. Um, and I just, I'm not souring on Corey Seager. I think Corey Seager is a great player and I take him on my team tomorrow. I just don't know if we've heard hesitations previously about the Yankees, not wanting to get another mammoth contract like this on the books, a 10 to 12 year deal. That's going to, that's going to hold you down for the next decade. And the Yankees already have that. They got seven more years of Garrett Cole at $36 million, seven more years of Giancarlo Stanton at like 25 plus million dollars. They're stuck with Aaron Hicks's contract for the next four or five years. DJ LeMay, who's here for the next five years at $15 million. So the next few long-term contracts the Yankees give out, you have to assume one is Aaron Judge because he's a free agent after 2022. And then you have one more. And is Corey Seager your guy? Maybe. I just don't know. I, I really now, now I'm starting to have some reservations based on because I watched the entire Dodgers Brave series start to finish. Didn't miss a single game. Um, and what I saw there certainly was a little bit concerning. And if Seeger and his agent are not going to kind of budge after he played in 95 games this year and then had a terrible postseason, and uh, sorry to say his best campaign in terms of accolades and helping the Dodgers achieve their ultimate goal came in the short in 2020 when, 
I'm not taking that away from anybody. The short in 2020 was the short in 2020, but um, if that's, if that's your, that's his best campaign by far, he hit three Oh seven with a nine forty three OPS um, in 52 games. Great stuff. And then he dominated throughout the postseason. That's, that's awesome. Um, I just don't know if that's enough on the resume over the last, over the, over his last, what he's played in. Let's do the math here, guys. Little, little math bond, you know, whipping out the calc. So since the start of, let's see, 2018, 2018, he played in 26 games. The year after he played in 134. The year after that, he played in 52. The year after that, he played in 95. So he's played in 307 games since the start of 2018. That's out of a possible 546. It's a lot of games to miss, man. It's a lot of games to miss. Um, yeah, I, this this is becoming tougher and tougher by the day. Um, and I, I just don't know. Again, guys, I, I just don't know if a 10 to 12 year contract is, is the answer here. Um, especially if he's going to transition to positions. If he's not a shortstop if he's not viewed as a shortstop long-term, if there's concerns with his defense, his range um, and his ability on that front, that that's, you're not giving out a decade long contract to somebody like that. Um, I was thinking more eight years for Seager. I know he's going into his age 28 season next year, which, which is still young, um, but bringing him to a potential age 38 year or age 40 year in with, with the length of this contract, I think that's a little bit much. I think age 36 year with, with a generous offer for eight years is, is going to do it, but Hey, it could change. I'm not surprised. It's the report. Cause it's Scott Boris. And he's always, he's always trying to maximize the, the offers here in both length and money. Um, I know the Yankees have familiarity dealing with Boris, but I don't know if he's going to budge with arguably his one of the best players he has hitting the open market this year. Um, and yeah, now I got cold feet, man. I hope you feel the same way because this needs to, this needs to be the right move. We, we'll talk about it time and time and again. This next long-term contract for the shortstop position, if that's the way they're going to go, I don't want them to go stopgap option, but we can't rule it out until we see the answer. Um, if they're going for an eight to 10-year contract or even 12, you want if, you're, if you have to go 12 on somebody, then cool, whatever, you do it. Uh, I'm not here in the business side of the game. I don't know what's going on, but it has to be an absolute home run. And I think that home run is, Corey, uh, is Carlos Correa. Um, and I think the short-term, I think the short-term uh, option is not, is really shouldn't be on the table. But if it is, I think you go with Marcus Simeon, um, even though there's concerns there too. He hasn't played shortstop in more than 50 games since 2019. So is that a guy you want playing short? I don't know, dude. It's confusing. But now a 10 to 12 year contract for Corey Seager should have fans questioning a little bit because of what we just saw. Um, and if the price isn't going down, if the price is going to go up exponentially for these players when they perform admirably and blow expectations out of the water, then the price and the demand um, and the requests have to go down if if you see poor play or a lack of availability. And we just saw a lack of availability from Corey Seager, who missed 67 games in 2021 due to due due to a wrist injury. Um, and we just saw a very, very bad postseason performance where his team needed him to deliver on any front. And the only players who delivered in that series were Chris Taylor 
who's a utility player, and Cody Bellinger, who had the worst regular season, arguably, of any major league player this past year. Um, so I officially have cold feet. Take with that what you will. That's it for today. Just a little Yankees conversation. Um, off season starting soon, man. I think we got, what, 10 days, something like that? Maybe even less than that? I don't know. Um, but we're going to have some more answers sooner rather than later. Um, and it's going to be very important for the team to figure out what's going to be the story for 2022. Is Luke Voigt here? Is Aaron Judge going to be extended? What's the deal with Gary Sanchez? What's the deal with Gleyber Torres? What are we going to do? Um, is DJ LeMayu the full, uh, full-time first baseman now? I don't know. A lot of questions to ask. Yankees need to answer them. Um, folks, please, once again, be sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review. That'd be cool. Could be four stars. I don't care. Along with the mailbag question, we want to talk to you. We want to diagnose other problems. We want to know what you're thinking. So head on over to yanksguard.com. We got plenty of content there for you, especially relating to the offseason and what's happening right now. And talk to us on the official Yanks Guard Yard Twitter account at YanksGuardFS. We'll talk to you next on Wednesday. Adam will be back. It's going to be fireworks, baby. See you then. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.